Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Swole podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm Caleb. Uh, and, and I'm a, a cup with milk in my head. Uh, and I am going to knit you a sweater to protect your soul, and you'll want nothing more than to take it off. That is true. Uh, I just need your brotherly love to keep it on. All right. How are you? Uh, uh, fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine here. You know, slight panic due to, you know, ongoing world issues and the nature. But, you know, otherwise, fine. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm good. I don't know. I, I keep like working on cleaning off my desk and then getting into other projects and then cluttering up my desk. So. I feel that I'll I'll never just have like a clean workspace. Yeah, I feel that because that's what I'm going through right now. I, I just sorted through all of my Kamigawa cards. These are all the commons that are not like any good and popper in theory. Uh, then we have uh, this massive this stack over here, which is slightly smaller, is all the cards that are popper good. And then we have uh, the commons and uncommons from Kamigawa. And so, yeah, my desk is a fucking disaster. <laughs> I like whenever we do this and I can, you know, see you on webcam and there's just like stacks of cardboard behind you. Oh, those are my lands. I've been trying to find a way to uh, do something with those, but I don't know where to put them. Uh, but I did give away like a bunch at my local game store. Like they were all my foil lands. I'm just like, I don't want these foil lands because they look like fucking Pringles. So the store can have them for draft. So the store now has them for draft. And I saw somebody playing with one of my lands uh, in uh, in my draft experience. And I just went, that's really funny. And then uh, proceeded to get my shit kicked in. Neat. I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair yeah i don't know i've i've been been putting a lot of time into magic as we as we usually do yeah but uh just changing things change things around seeing what what's good what's actually playable so uh the the secret is none of them none of them are playable all of our ideas are bad and i just wind up net decking yeah, I don't know. That's fine. Sometimes I don't really have anything to talk about. Do you have anything interesting to talk about? No, not really. Uh, I do want to do. I do want to say one thing though, and it's that uh, check out the uh, check out Business Insider. Oh, apparently, do you need? Wait, do you actually need to fucking subscribe to this shit for Business Insider? All right, well, if you're a Business Insider subscriber, 
uh, go there and check out the uh, profile that uh, Natalie Jarvie did on uh, friend of the podcast, Casey Moore, uh, runner of what's on Netflix, because, you know, he he's awesome and uh, deserves to be profiled because he is so awesome. That's awesome. Uh, if you don't want to pay the one dollar for a trial, uh, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Do you pay the one? Uh, n- n- not not in this instance, no. All right. So uh, with that, let's just uh, you know get into it and talk about uh, what's your what's our swill in what's your swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans. <laughs> Stay away from the can! All right, well, I'm just drinking water because uh, I feel kind of crappy, and I drank last night a bit, so. I also had uh, three beverages last night and played uh, some video games, and it was, you know, it was okay. Uh, but I'm also having another beverage. It's a, a gin and tonic with the bourbon-rested uh, gin, and it's still delicious. I'll probably always buy this gin for the rest of my life. Okay, Uh, and that'll bring us into some news. Oh, shit, it's mail time. So somebody watched the fucking, uh, oh, what's the the Netflix animated thing about the heist? Super Crooks? No. Cat Burglar. Oh, that thing, Hmm. yes. somebody, Somebody was inspired by that because there was a heist on the set of The Crown uh, where two hundred thousand dollars worth of antique props were stolen. Yeah, that's uh, that's really funny. Yeah. That's just uh, like the props could even be worth that that kind of cash. <laughs> yeah, well, I think like because they wanted it to look authentic, they they took like um, like actual like furniture pieces and stuff that were you know barred from like Buckingham Palace to, to be able to shoot. Right. Um, so over 350 items were taken during the heist, including a replica Fabergé egg, a grandfather clock, clock face, a dressing table, crystal glassware, and silver and gold candelabras. Some Rus- Russian religious icons, St. Louis gilt crystal glassware and decanters. It says the items stolen are not necessarily in the best condition and therefore of limited value for resale. Uh, however, they are valuable as pieces of UK of the UK film industry. OK, sure. So, yeah, I'll take their word for it. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's just funny. It's just a, it, I think it's a funny story. Like, yes, a crime was committed, but I think it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I can't wait for the next season of The Crown where it looks like all their shit was from the dollar store. I I want them to write this into the show somehow. Like I don't know if Buckingham Palace actually did get robbed at any point cuz I remember there there is uh one episode where a guy just wanders into Buckingham Palace and gets to talk with the queen for about 5-10 minutes. Uh, and like that's Oh no, it was um he was like a Sounds bad, but like he was like a, a just a common guy who was like, "Hey, no one's fucking listening to me." So he like climbs the fence into Buckingham Palace and just talks to the Queen for five ten minutes about like all the issues going on in um in Britain at the time. And then of course you know the guards can't come and take him away, but you know she she enacts a lot of like the stuff that he wanted her to do. But outside of that, I don't know if there was any like robbery. But that'd be really really funny if they could somehow incorporate it. 
I doubt it, though. All right. Um, another life starring Katie Sackoff has been canceled after two seasons. Despite receiving a second season, the first season was generally panned with the sec with the season's highest rated episode hitting a 6.7 on IMDb. The second season performed better, ranging from 6.8 to 7.8 ratings. Uh, so the show seemed to have found its footing. However, Another Life Season 2 only appeared on the top 10 on Netflix once, which was during its release week and only garnered uh, 15,760,000 hours viewed. Uh, for those of you keeping track at home, that's bad. That's really bad. Because I think Another Life, and I didn't I didn't actually do my dumb stat to it, but let me let me just take a quick glance at the, the run times on the season two. Because uh, for me, it, it, based off of that, uh, that says like only one to two million people watched the show in its first week. Yeah. Ten episodes, about 40 minutes apiece. So. 400 minutes, 360. So, yeah, about six and a half hours of content. Uh, so like two and a half million people in, on average, as an average view, watched uh, all of season one or season two, which uh, that's 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 bad. That's very bad. And Katie Sackhoff apparently got like all snippy about it. And she's like, because uh, somebody made a meme post was like Netflix should uh, Netflix should have produced the COVID-19 virus. So that way it would have only gotten like two seasons. <laughs> and then Katie Sackhoff replied to that saying, no kidding. So it was at that point that everyone should have known that the show was over, but that was back in December and it finally got an official cancellation like now. But uh, Katie, I'm sorry, but when your show sucks in the first season, it doesn't matter how good the second season is because no one cares. That's true. All right. Uh, this is a quick piece of news. Ozark season four, part two will premiere on April 29th. So be on the lookout for that. Not in this show because we don't care, but just be on the lookout for that in general. And enjoy, I guess. Per new Russian obligations, Netflix legally must broadcast 20 Russian federal television stations in Russia only on or after March 1st. This new obligation is due to Netflix being added to the a register by Roskomnadzor. Roskomnadzor. Uh, Russia's communications regulator, which applies to any streaming service that operates within the country and has 100,000 daily users. Uh, so Netflix is going to be broadcasting Russian propaganda mm -hmm. um, in Russia, in Russia, as as is their law. Yes. Um, th th nobody should be surprised by this. Everyone wants uh, Netflix to pull out over this, and I'm I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. Like we've seen this multiple times. Like there was uh, a couple episodes of Hassan Minaj, which like his show couldn't like episodes that just couldn't air in other countries and had to be taken off of streaming services. Like this isn't brand new. This is the first time they've added content that had it to be broadcast by Netflix, but it's it's not going to affect anywhere outside of Russia. So, I mean, unless you wake up and on March 1st, you start seeing like Russian broadcast news on your Netflix, uh, don't panic. This doesn't affect you in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's of course, like, you know, them choosing to be a business over like standing their moral ground or whatever, but it's, 
it's it's what any company would do. I feel like uh, the optics are bad. The optics are bad, and because like it's only a million subs in in Russia. Apparently, like that's that's the estimate is like around a million. So like the thought is that just Netflix stops doing business in Russia until the Ukraine conflict is over, and then you know you get your million back. Maybe I don't know. Uh, also, Netflix signed a deal with a, a Russian production company uh, as recently as 2020. So the thought is, is they can't back out of Russia due to contractual obligations. So not only would they lose the revenue stream, they would probably also have to pay a penalty for backing out of Russia entirely. And, you know, depending on how that contract goes, that's probably a non insignificant amount of money. So I don't know if they want to do that. Now, I will say, what I said on Twitter, if I wake up on March 1st and I see Russian propaganda on my Netflix, which in theory, based off of this, won't happen. But if it does, this podcast will be a, an HBO podcast faster than you can say, fuck Putin. <laughs> I can say that pretty quick. Because I, I ain't dealing with fucking Russian propaganda on my Netflix. I'm an American citizen. I don't want to fucking see that shit. That's true. So that's it. Uh, a lot of people are debating on canceling. Well, okay. When I, when I say a lot of people, I mean the echo chamber that has read it is uh, basically saying we should cancel our Netflix subscriptions. Uh, again, I don't think they read the whole article because it specifically says this is Russia only. And uh, that's it. Like that, that should have been the first warning sign. It was like, hey, maybe this isn't nearly as bad as we think it is. And yes, it's still bad, but you know, it's not like they're going to be broadcasting it worldwide. See, so we all get like the, the Russian spin and everything. All right. And that'll bring us over into downstream uh, where we'll talk about some new trailers. Baby, I can't control the Internet. That's my favorite line. All right. Uh, our first trailer is for Black Crab. Uh, Black Crab is a Swedish action thriller set in the post-apocalyptic world torn apart by war. Uh, so six <laughs> months from now. <laughs> During a long, harsh winter, six soldiers embark on a covert mission across the frozen archipelago, risking their lives to transport a mysterious package that could end the war. As they enter hostile enemy territory, they have no idea what dangers lie ahead or who, if anyone, they can trust. But for speed skater turned soldier Carolyn Ed, the mission is about something else entirely. Starring Numi Rapace in a film directed by Adam Berg, Black Crab follows six soldiers on a desperate mission to bring an end to the war which has destroyed their lives. Uh, spell Adam Berg like the is it B E R G? Yeah, yeah. So it's like uh, people on like ice skates, like speed skating across a uh, frozen ocean while shooting guns. Just kind of neat. So I, I, I confused Adam Berg with Peter Berg, who frequently collaborate. Ah, my God, I can't talk today. Who frequently collaborates with Mark Wahlberg on action movies? Uh, so that's why I was confused for a second. Uh, and this mm. is his first feature film. So that that's something. I don't know. What what did you think of it? Eh, looks all right, I guess. Looks okay. No, it looks looks honestly looks pretty generic, but it, it has the aesthetic of speed skating. I don't know. I like I like new mirror pace. Yeah, that's why I'll give it a shot. 
All right. Next up is Rescued by Ruby, starring Grant Gustin, a.k.a. The Flash. Uh, State State Trooper Dan dreams of joining the canine search and rescue team, but no one will give him a chance. Shelter dog Ruby dreams of having a home, but is running out of hope. When fate brings Dan and Ruby together, it's their unshakable bond that helps them face their toughest challenge yet, based on a true story. (laughs) You're right there. No. No, this looks like one of those January dump movies where they're like, why did we fucking produce this? Like, Kevin Costner's been doing this a bit. Uh, what, what was it? Like, A Dog's Purpose, I think, is what one of them was called. And it's like a dog that gets reinc- reincarnated and keeps finding the same fucking owner throughout his life cycle. Oh, yeah. Was that <laughs> A Dog's Purpose, I think, was yeah. that one? Yeah. I think it's Dennis Quaid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, shit. That movie was so sad. Because, like, one of the ones, it's just the dog's a puppy, and he lives for about a week because somebody locks him in a hot car. Yo, what? Yeah, that happens in the movie. And then, like, he sees the white light and gets resurrected again into a new dog form. Oh, I know. They get, like, a bi- uh, like a billion different dogs to, to be this guy, this dog. And then uh, it's the same soul. I don't know. This doesn't look like that. Uh, This looks like Hallmark Channel garbage. But it has the flash. So, you know, the CW people are going to, you know, check this out because they love that Grant Gustin. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, At some point, I'll make you watch this. Because it's uh, a feel good dog movie. Until the end, and the dog gets shot, presumably. Yeah, the the dog the dog gets on the canine unit, and then uh, a, a a loose gunman is about to kill Grant Gustin, and he can't use his super speed, uh, so the dog jumps <laughs> in front of the bullets. Uh, I recently saw a clip of the Flash where it's the Flash and somebody else who can run really fast, and they're chasing after a motorcycle, and they can't catch it. Hmm. Yeah, you, you, you know, despite the Flash having the powers to break the fucking sound barrier, they can't catch a motorcyclist. So that's uh, that's the thing with the Flash is that like his power set is so like overwhelming that the only like villains that can challenge him are other speedsters. Yep. But like, I think that that's like a canon thing in the flash is that the more speedsters exist, the weaker the speed forces for each of them. Like they have to share it. Sure. Which is, I guess why they always try to kill each other. I don't know. It's weird. Sure. I'll take your word for it. I don't know, man. Uh, I'm just saying it's a CW show and looks like garbage. The flash is so fucking powerful that like, if if you ever were to get the upper hand on the Flash and beat him, he would just run back in time and throw your pregnant mom down some stairs, and then you don't thunk so good. I don't know, man. Uh, I, I remember Justice League Unlimited when uh, Lex Luthor and Brainiac combine into one being, and the Justice League can't beat him. Uh, and it's only the Flash left standing, and the Flash fucking uh, uses the speed force to fucking destroy Brainiac Luthor. Uh, and almost like goes into a space time void where he'd be trapped forever. Uh, and th- that moment was awesome. It was that moment that, where everyone was like, oh, fuck, we can't ever beat this guy. He's too good. Yeah, he's too powerful. And Justice League Unlimited was the, sh- was the shit. 
Also, the original Justice League. And by original, I mean the 2000 version. Now, I want to look now because. Because like Batman has plans to kill all of the Justice League members should the need ever arise. Right. So what is his plan for Flash? Oh, uh, it is a bracelet that uh, will like it, it and it contains a bomb that will blow up. Should the flat. Uh, what is it? It's like Justice League. There's a movie about this. It's like Justice League. I can't remember what it is, but like his plans for all of them. But like it's basically like he tra- he tricks the Flash. Like the plan is to trick the Flash into like sticking into his arm and something. And then it gives him a bracelet like he basically can't stop running. Uh, otherwise, he'll like blow up. Mm. And like it's like a, like a, a okay. nuclear bomb or something. So this is from apparently the Tower of Babel uh, arc in D.C. or whatever. Um Batman's contingency for the Flash was another case of twisting what is usually the latter's strength into a weakness. Uh, This is when Wally West was the Flash. Uh, So he was shot in the back of his spine with a vibra bullet that induced epileptic seizures. Wally's connection to the speed force means that said seizures happen at light speed. Jesus Christ. What the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah, he just shot him in the back with a bullet that would vibrate the faster he went. And cause him to have a fucking seizure. Yeah, the plan, the plan is reworked almost entirely in Justice League Doom. In that film, the Flash, Barry Allen, rather than oh, West, one. is attacked by Mirror Master and has a bomb strapped to his wrist, which explodes if he stops running under a certain speed. Oh, yep. so he becomes the the bus from speed. <laughs> I think. <laughs> yes. Didn't didn't he beat that by like running so fast that he like phased through a fucking iceberg or something and like left the bomb inside it. Yes, that is yeah, what happened. I remember that. Yeah. The Justice League Doom. That's a good movie, man, man. Batman's kind of a dick. Yeah, he's a big dick. <laughs> oh, OK. Th- this one's pretty good. Uh Aquaman was excluded from Justice League Doom, perhaps out of a need to streamline the story's cast. But in Tower of Babel, it's Arthur rather than Green Lantern, who's disabled by a dosage of Jonathan Crane's infamous chemical concoction. So he gets fucking uh, uh, scarecrowed. Uh, It's explained that Batman modified the fear toxin formula to induce hydrophobia or fear of water. And it's a dose of this specialized version, which is given to Aquaman. Owing to his Atlantean physiology, Aquaman needs regular exposure to water, not only to preserve his strength, but to live. (laughs) No, Batman is fucking wild. What? Oh, Jesus Christ. (sighs) Batman even created a contingency plan for his teammates to use in the event that he himself ever went rogue, knowing he is only able to fight alongside gods as a mortal man due to his keen strategic mind. Batman's contingency file on himself suggested neutralizing his intelligence by distracting him, perhaps by taking one of Bruce's loved ones hostage. Sure. Yeah. Why not? He's got, you know, issues about caring for people, as evidenced by the fact that he fucking gave the Flash light speed seizures <laughs> and made Aquaman scared of water. <laughs> Yo, that's fucking wild. <laughs> that's the wildest shit I've ever heard. Uh, 
This is like one of the best weird tangents we've ever gone on. Uh, I do like, though, that they basically got like everybody from Justice League except for um, what the hell is his name? Phil Lamar. And they instead went with Hal Jordan Green Lantern instead of uh, John Stewart Green Lantern. Because they got like Michael Rosenbaum back, Susan Eisenberg, Tim Daly, Kevin Conroy, uh, Carl Lumley. All right. Uh, well, since we are still in the downstream segment, uh, our last trailer for this week is Once Upon a Time, Ellipsis, Happily Never After. Uh, Once Upon a Time, dot, 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 Happily Never After, a musical comedy created by Manolo Caro and featuring Sebastian Yatra, Monica Marinillo e Nia Correa. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh <laughs> A couple forced to separate must find each other in another life to break the spell on their town where no one can fall in love. <laughs> Wait, so how does this town reproduce? Uh, they just hate fuck each other. <laughs> Apparently. So this is like uh, medieval, but everybody's sexy and likes sex. Yeah. Also, uh, the girl has like hearts on her cheeks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then in the future, she has like a heart shaped birthmark on her face. So that way, you know, she's the same person. Yes. And it's like super campy. There's like mm -hmm. a castle with neon lights all over it. Yep. Uh, man, this looks like trash, huh? <laughs> sure does. Yep. <laughs> There's nothing else to say about it. It looks like trash. Uh. Enjoy it if you want. If you're somebody who loves campy garbage, this is for you. <laughs> One of the comments on YouTube is, as a Korean, I now know what the rest of you go through when watching a Korean trailer. I don't know what the <laughs> hell just happened, but I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty true. All right. Uh, with that, we're going to move into uh, our final segment for the opening part of the show. Uh, it's called Quick Hits. We talk about some stuff that we watched this week. I tried out Cat Burglar. Okay. That's uh, uh, an animation, short comedy, interactive Netflix show. Uh, interactive Tex Avery inspired cartoon where the viewer answers questions with a scenario about a guard dog named Peanut protecting a priceless work of art and a cat burglar named Rowdy trying to steal it from an art museum. But each cartoon is different. Uh, somebody typed that into IMDb and thought nailed it. <laughs> uh, so it, it's a cartoon. You have to answer questions that aren't related to the cartoon to progress things. Uh, so like each time the quiz part comes up and you're trying to make the cat do his thing successfully, uh, you have to answer three questions. And if you get any of them incorrect, uh, he dies. So like, yep. um, it'll it'll like kick you back to the start if you die too many times. Uh, but then like. It's kind of nice because it only plays like the unique parts. After that, like it, it cuts out like the the kind of connective parts that you already know. Uh, so like when you die, it goes back to like his first obstacles, like getting over the wall that's around this museum. So like it doesn't show you the fact that like he wants the art 
it's just like, hey, I'm going to go in and get that now. Uh, okay. So he'll like pull out a duffel bag full of shit and start rooting through it. So like some of the different things that I saw him try to use to get through it were like uh, scaling like an electric, like a power pole and then like tightrope walking across the wires. Uh, there's one he pulls out like a high jump pole and has to like fling himself over the wall. There's one where he gets like a grappling hook to get over it. There's one where he just like pulls out a shovel and digs under it. Uh, I fucked that one up real bad because he just like was digging randomly. So there was like a cartoon like mound of dirt moving uh, randomly through the the yard around this museum. Uh, And I answered one of the questions wrong and he ended up hitting like something metal and then like struck a match to see what it was. Uh, and it was like the gas line, the gas, the gas line. And he exploded. <laughs> um, I don't know. I successfully got him to the treasure one time. And then I was like, eh, it's fun, whatever. Uh, and then I stopped watching it. But I'm, I'm proud of you. You're not completely stupid. Yeah. But yeah, like each time you do it, it's it's different. It's it's a fun little diversion. Uh, it's fine. Uh, I honestly forgot that it was coming out this week and uh, didn't do it. So there, there it is. But I'll do it this week and, and see if I can, you know, get there without dying. It's like Dark Souls, but you know, trivia. Yeah. I yeah, I played this instead of Elden Ring. I did everything else this weekend except for play Elden Ring because I will never play Elden Ring. <laughs> I don't care how good everyone tells me Elden Ring is. I just don't believe you. Yeah. I don't even really know what it is. It's just Dark Souls, but open world. That's it. If I uh, if I ever beat Dark Souls and Bloodborne, maybe I'll try it. If I'm into those games enough. I would honestly just wait for Bloodborne to get a re-release because uh, apparently in design, the way the game is paced is tied entirely to its frame rate. So they can't even unlock the frame rate. So they have to completely remake the game in order to bring it to modern modern standards. Good job from software. Really proud of you. All right, what did you watch? All right, uh, I caught one or two more episodes of In From The Cold. Um, <laughs> this show's so bad, man. The writing sucks so much. Like, they just revealed who the big bad is with two episodes to go. And, like, it's it's so obvious and dumb and poorly handled. Like, it's supposed to be a big surprise, but it's just like, wait, really? That's, you know, uh, I'm I'm in sunk cost mode at this point. Like I've already invested this much time. I may as well finish it. Uh, so I'll probably finish it sometime this week and talk, talk about the fucking ending next week. But uh, I'm like begrudgingly continuing this series. Yeah, I don't, I know like nothing about it. So, Oh, uh, well the, so I'm just going to say what happens at the beginning. So the first episode, like she's just like, it turns out she's like a former Russian agent. Uh, who would like kill people in a very unique way. And everyone's like, oh, my God, how did she do it? And then the CIA agent tracks her down and is like, how did you do it? And she's like, I can't tell you that. 
And then the and then at the end of the episode, she transforms into somebody else. So she has the ability to shapeshift. And that's hmm. how she was able to kill a bunch of people and get away with it, because she she herself wasn't at the crime scene. It was just other people. So. Uh, at one point in the show, she says, I don't know if I can transform ever again. And then in the subsequent episodes has transformed at least four times. So, you know. It's fine. She can do it. Uh, they, they wrote that into the, into the show, though. I don't know why. OK. Interesting. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, and then I watched the I was being nice. Yeah, you mean, you're allowed to be nice to the bad show. <laughs> uh, and then I watched the Netflix animated series Super Crooks. This is the follow up to Jupiter's Legacy, which is set in the Miller World hero universe. Uh, and it follows Johnny Bolt, who is voiced by perennial Netflix voice man uh, Jonah Scott, who has voiced other characters such as the house husband in Way of the House Husband, Lagoshi from uh, Beastars, the the guy with the hat and the mask in uh, High Rise Invasion. I think it was what it was. Mm, OK, yeah. So like uh, he is their guy. Uh, if you're a male character in a show, you're probably voiced by Jonah Scott in on Netflix. You know what I mean? So uh, this is Johnny Bolt. He like the first episode is about like him wanting to be a, a superhero because he's like superheroes are super cool. Uh, and he has the ability to uh, generate electricity. Uh, everything goes haywire. And he's just like, man, it's so hard being a hero, despite the fact that I've had no training. And then uh, he accidentally, you know trips an ATM and a bunch of cash starts flying out of the ATM. So he's like, I'm going to be a super villain. So he becomes a, a villain and uh, it's all about his misadventures uh, in being a villain. It's solid. Uh, I like the, the animation. Um, my favorite part about the show is that there are parts of episodes seven and eight that are set at the Monroeville mall. Oh Yeah. It, which is in Pittsburgh. Uh, and uh, what the plot point for those episodes for like those bits is that. Um, uh, uh, one of the people like one of the villains fakes a um, a zombie invasion, which is even funnier if you know that there's a George Romero statue or bust at the Monroeville Mall. So it's like a double homage to the George Romero's of of that little arc. So, like, yeah, it's fun. Uh, I think the ending isn't well earned because, like, they do a time skip and then just all of a sudden Johnny Bolt's like the greatest fucking villain of all time uh, after being shown to be completely and fucking competent. And I don't know if I like that part or not, but, uh, you know, that if you hold that on its own, it works. But, you know, compared to the rest of the series, it's like, what the fuck happened here? <laughs> but, uh, it's a solid enough show. I'm not going to say run out and watch it, but it's definitely like if that was the live action adaptation that they made into the beginning of the Miller World stuff, I would have said, OK, I can deal with this. Jupiter's Legacy was was not the start. This would have been better as the start, but it's adult animation. And I don't know how popular that is, because I don't even think this charted when it released in on, on like the Netflix top tens. So I don't know how many people actually watched it. So I, who knows how the, the Miller world universe is going to continue after this shit. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I watched Jupiter's legacy and I have no interest in anything ever again. That's fair. Really? Four Spire Golem? Yeah. Okay. And that was allowed, but I've seen list running two. That's fine. If you want to run, if you run four, that's fine. I'm not going to try it out. You. Yeah. But yeah, that's it. That's all I watched this week. All right. Well, then why don't we cut into a quick break? And when we come back, we'll talk about our main topic for the week, the Cuphead Show. The Netflix and Swill podcast is brought to you by our patrons, Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Nick Haskins, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy De La Rosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Duty Dutram, Casey Moore, The Nerd Revert, and Dan's Mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at netflixandswill.com slash Patreon. Buy some shit. Visit netflixandswill.com slash merch. Leave a review and tell me how good I'm getting at public speaking. Visit netflixandswill.com slash Apple Podcasts. Thanks for letting us live our dreams of being professional idiots. We now return you to your regularly scheduled banter. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into our main review topic for the week, The Cuphead Show. The Cuphead Show is a brand new animation short action series on Netflix. It's a 7.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Follow the misadventures of the impulsive Cuphead and his cautious but persuadable brother Mugman in this animated series based on the hit video game. Uh, Dan, what did you think of The Cuphead Show? Or as they call it in France, Le Cuphead Show. Uh, it's solid. I, I don't know, man. It's like barely over two hours. It's it's kind of what I've been asking for in television series recently, which is just like, yes, you can have your uh, overarching story, but also just like have some one off episodes in there. And that's basically what this show is. It's like a bunch of one offs. So it's like some connective tissue throughout mm-hmm. th- throughout them. Uh, outside of that, the animation is great, uh, of course, because, you know, it's like that Tex Avery style. But I mean, I, honestly, I don't have much to say. Like, it's just a nice, enjoyable time that, you know, you can just kind of sit on your couch and play on your phone or play on your switch or do whatever uh, while you're watching it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I like how, like, visually it, it very much is in line with the game. They even do like the film grainy effect to make it look old timey. Yep. Um, And just kind of classic cartoon hijinks. Um, I don't know how much really is here for people who aren't fans of the game. Uh, but it does have Wayne Brady as King Dice, and that's nice. That's true. Uh, it also has uh, Gray Delil as uh, Miss, Miss Chalice. I know that matters to, like, nobody else but me, but it matters. Okay. <laughs> and outside of that, like, I don't there's not much else to say like it's a it's a enjoyable enough time but you know mileage may vary yeah i don't know basic plot is that like the devil is trying to steal everybody's souls uh so he sets up a carnival and if like if you lose the carnival games he just sucks your soul out mm-hmm. uh and cuphead vexes him by by losing the game, but like not relinquishing uh, his soul 
So through a, a series of wacky hijinks. Yeah. And then they run away and they get away from the devil and then he pops up sporadically. But otherwise, every episode is self-contained and has its own uh, things that you have to deal with. Like, uh, I know in like one of the episodes, there was like the vegetables and like the carrot. I know was a boss in, mm-hmm. in the game. So, yeah, the root pack. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They have the three headed dragon show up at one point. Uh, Ribby and Croaks, who are two frogs that are also boxers. Um, which that's a fun boss fight in the game. Like I said, there's honestly not much to it. You just kind of put it on and let it happen. And you're you're not watching it for at least I feel like you're not watching it for the story. You're not watching it for the care. Like, like it, you're watching it kind of like if you enjoy the, the show and also if you have kids like I actually think this is fairly kid friendly. Yeah, as long as you're OK with your kid knowing about the existential horror of death and going to hell. Eh, that wasn't cat dog. It's fine. I turned out okay. <laughs> Fucking cat dog. <coughs> Jesus Christ. I don't know. I don't even know what to say about this. It's it's, no. it's a bunch of short episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, no more than fifteen ca- minutes. The animation is the the high point here. That's mm-hmm. what you come for. Um, and it's it's fine. Uh, it's a solid show. I recommend it if you're looking for something to put on with like kids or like if you're a fan of the game. But outside of that, like I don't, I don't know how much enjoyment you're going to get out of like a Tex Avery style show unless you're feeling nostalgic and can't afford HBO Max and just watch the Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That's all I have to say on that. Are you ready to talk about the the real reason we're here? Oh, uh, real, real quick. What, what do you, what would you rate the Cuphead show? Uh, we can, we can at least do that since, like, I don't know. Fine. There's not a lot to like really break down, right? Like, it's not. There's no grand sweeping plot. Like I said, uh, it's fine. It's like a three, three and a half, like it, somewhere in that range. Yeah, let's say three and a half. Uh, it's like a solid B plus for effort, and then like a C for actually getting me invested in it because the right. story is just kind of wacky hijinks. Right. All right. Uh, so now uh, we're what? Why do we even pick this? Why? Why did this even happen? Uh, I don't know, because we wanted to do a cautionary tale on Netflix and I was. Oh, that's right. Through. It's a cautionary tale of Netflix. Welcome to Cautionary Tales of Netflix, where Netflix and Swill. You know, one-star movies are terrible. They'll make you want to gouge your fucking eyes out. And that's what this show is all about. Warning people about the dangers of shitty movies. So, uh, of course, you had us pick, uh, and ha- you picked and had us watch Total Recall, the 2012 version. Yeah, uh, it's a 6.2 out of 10 on IMDb. It is an action-adventure sci-fi movie. A factory worker, Douglas Quaid, begins to suspect that he is a spy after visiting Recall, a company that provides its clients with implanted fake memories of a life they would like to have, uh, they would like to have led, uh, goes wrong, and he finds himself on the run. Uh, This is directed by Len Wiseman and stars 
Colin Farrell, uh, Bokeem Woodbine as Harry. Uh, it's got Brian Cranston, Kate Beckinsale, Jessica Biel, uh, Bill Nye, and John Cho. So decent cast, actually. But yeah, I don't know. I've I've seen this movie before. Uh, I think I think I saw. I think I was on a date with Hillary. <laughs> Do you remember her? I remember her. Yeah, I think that's where I saw this movie before. Okay, but it's like so they could have done interesting things like how the original Total Recall. It's like you're never quite sure if it's real or not. Uh, But instead, what they did is just like made it a super fast paced action movie. Correct. And that's my big problem with it is that like the first movie, of course, it's a Paul Verhoeven movie. So mm-hmm. it has that inherent camp to it, but also it's kind of awesome. Like I, and it keeps the ambiguity going throughout And this, like the ambiguity just kind of felt forced. Whereas it's like, we know that this is real and all the subtleties gone. And, you know, Colin Farrell is just, you know, trying to piece together being a secret, a secret agent again. Yeah. So, they they keep a bit of like the original total recall in here um and like a little bit of the original story that it's based on uh which is by Philip K Dick called we can remember it for you wholesale uh if there's any interesting idea in science fiction it probably came from a Philip K Dick story that's true um so but like Instead of going to Mars, it's like a post-apocalyptic Earth that they're on, uh, which is an interesting choice. Um, I don't know. In the Ah. original story, like his name was Douglas Quail. So like they kept Douglas Quaid from the. From the Arnold Schwarzenegger one, I guess. It's like, I don't I don't know why they didn't just try to make it closer to the story if they were going to do this but they right. just like wanted to do their own thing and it's just it's like a bunch of shooty chase sequences right but it's so like i don't like the post-apocalyptic earth thing i think that's played out and trite especially in like the early 2010s and late 20 20 whatever it's like post-apocalyptic seemed to be like in vogue especially like after 2012 the movie mm-hmm. you know so like the the Mars thing was like even compared to 1990, the Mars thing seemed really fresh. Like it wasn't post apocalyptic Earth. It was just like, hey, we're now on Mars, and yeah. now Mars is uh, trying to build a colony, and we're gonna go fuck up the colony potentially. And, and this is just like, hey, it's still Earth. We're not at Mars yet, but you know, it's post apocalyptic because everything else was. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Like the other thing. In the original Total Recall is that like there was um, there were a bunch of people who were like mutated because of like uh, being exposed to shit on Mars that like mm-hmm. caused them to mutate, I guess. So like they don't have that in this movie, at least like they don't really mention or emphasize it. But for some reason, they did bring back the hooker with three boobs. Well, because you need to remember it's Total Recall. Yeah. But like, that's the only other thing. <laughs> right. There's no guy going, hey, Quaid. Oh, man, that guy's the best part of Total Recall. 
It's true. He he fucking drives the drill at Quaid, and then Quaid has to fucking like scorch him with with like hot, hot hydraulic fluid. <laughs> it's great. It's great stuff. But yeah, this is just like, and, and like it's coming across as negative. But when you compare it to the original, which I, I find to be far superior, like this is just generic run shooty mm-hmm. with like a little bit of high concept sci fi. But that takes a backseat to the run shooty aspects of the movie. Yeah. And like they only really bring it up one time of like, oh, maybe, you know, this isn't real. And like you're still just sitting in the chair at recall as your brain gets like slowly turned into mush. Right. Like his and, friend shows up like in the first one. and Yeah. And, and then like it. that pretty quickly is resolved to be like, oh, it's just a ruse like this is real. So like. I don't know, like I the the first movie is ambiguous enough that it could go either way, but I'm pretty sure in the first movie that it's all just like happening in his head. And then Arnold Schwarzenegger is just dying the whole time and it's a fever right. dream uh, in this one. It's almost certainly like this is just what happens, right? Uh, I will say the one which change is a lot less interesting. Well, right, because you know subtlety in movies is kind of lost anymore, and anytime there is subtlety, it's just like, ugh, uh, it, like it's either too subtle or you know it, it's Ad- an Adam McKay movie. So mm-hmm. uh, the one change I do appreciate though is that Kate Beckinsale is the Richter. Her, like character basically like she's both Sharon Stone and Richter in this and I, I know that's because uh, Len Wiseman was married to her at the time and therefore had her cast in this movie and gave her probably a bigger part than she normally would have had because I mean up to this point it was like basically like underworld movies for Kate Beckinsale and Van Helsing so like her taking part in like this big budget blockbuster action movie uh, kind of seems out of place, but like I thought she was OK, like she's not horribly dreadful, like I assumed she would be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's really like a standout performance in this or anything, but no, yeah, every everybody's fine. Bill Nye tries to put on an American accent, doesn't really work. I don't know why they just didn't like because like the. The the main bad guys of the UBF or the United British Federation, and it's like yeah. no one has a British accent except for Kate Beckinsale. Yeah, so like this has possibly one of the du- <laughs> one of the dumbest concepts in a sci-fi movie ever. So like the world's destroyed. So there's like this British, like you know, what had been Great Britain and like some other territories that they took over, I guess. That weren't destroyed. Uh, And then like the only other place on Earth basically is Australia, which is like they call it the colony. Uh, And it's like essentially a work colony. The people that uh, live there and work there are just like subjected to horrible conditions uh, because it's Australia. And, you know, (laughs) there's giant spiders that will eat your face while you're sleeping. Um, That's true. But like the way that they transport people there to work on the colony, uh, it's called the fall. Uh, It's an elevator that goes through the core of the earth and like shoots them through. And it's so fucking stupid. Yes. uh, Because like, 
I mean, I'm not a scientist or anything, but I feel like if you went through the core of the Earth, first of all, you'd be like boiled alive before you ever got there yes. from the heat and pressure. But like also it would crush your body to like the size of a hamster from the pressure. Also, yes, because gravity. Everything you're saying is correct. Uh, that that was my big suspension of disbelief. For this movie was believing that, you know, this was this was the form of travel they decided on. And I just went, OK, you get this movie. And then yeah. from there, like well, any other mistake was like glaring. I feel like, uh, you know, sort of like the Doom movie. They just wanted to have like walls that you could walk through and then like turn off and it became just a wall. Like, I feel like that was a core thing in that movie and they worked backwards from it so that they could have a monster trapped in a wall. And like. The same thing with this movie, I feel like they they just wanted to have that so that they could have a shooty action scene where like gravity flipped all of a sudden. Yep. Because that's how that works, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it might be scientifically sound. I doubt it because it's definitely not. Uh, but. Yeah, like that scene was interesting. And I, you know, as soon as, you know, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, they have this cool little set piece where gravity changes at the beginning of the movie. I wonder if they're going to bring this back up for the finale of the movie. And of course they did. So, you yeah. know, I, I expected it, but, you know, it it is like one of those kind of dumb little scenes that does not like they, they wanted the elevator scene from Total Recall but they wanted to make it their own in a different way. Mm -hmm. So they did the gravity thing. Yeah. Um, and then like, as this is going through the core of the earth, like people crawl out on it and, and like are shooting each other and stuff. So, uh, here's an IMDB goof for the fall to travel the diameter of the earth in 17 minutes. It would have to maintain an average speed of over 45,000 kilometers per hour or 28,000 miles per hour. At this speed, it would be impossible for anyone to survive standing on the outside because of both the airflow and the high temperatures resulting from friction. Well, right. You get turned into fucking paste. Yeah. So, yeah, like I, I just kind of like, yes, it's a goof, but also like they're obviously throwing out the science on it just to have like a cool sequence, which like I can understand it like you're you're allowed to me you're allowed to do that a little bit in movies where you know fuck science it's just you know we i wanted to do something cool like uh in ad astra like they have uh a scene where uh, a nuclear blast propel propels a spaceship back all the way to earth and like in theory there's so many things the spaceship could hit before it got to earth but of course the spaceship lands so know. like it space is pretty big and pretty empty yeah, but I mean, they're, in theory, there's still stuff in the way. But like, you know, what I mean, like they'll take liberties with shit just so that way they can do the thing they want to do, which is fine. And I, I think and this isn't to you, but like in general, like we kind of need to relax how we feel about things <laughs> in order to just let them do the cool thing that they want to do. Now, of course, if they're going continually overboard, then you can call it out. But, you know. I like I said, I let them do like one, two cool things. And then when they start getting a little too absurd, that's where I draw the line. I'm just reading IMDb goofs. Of course you are. There's a lot of shit wrong with this movie. I mean, I'm sure, but I didn't care. I was entertained enough. I, I will say like Jessica Biel feels way out of place in this movie. Like she doesn't do anything. 
like she like her 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 role is to just you know take Colin Farrell to Bill Nye and then like once they recapture her it's like why do we care because like there really wasn't any chemistry between Beale and Farrell so like I, it just felt like a weird thing that like oh we just have you know we have to have the love interest in this movie so here we go yeah and that's not to say Jessica Beale's a bad actress it's just like I don't think that character was very well written. The scene where the three-breasted woman is topless has been reshot for the U.S. release due to different moral standards. The version released in European countries is unchanged. I need to see how what's how is it different? Yeah, what what's different about it? She has a fourth tit. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But like, like what what could possibly even be different about that? I don't know. It's just boobs. Right. Unless we're like, unless like the camera is entirely focused on her tits the whole time and we don't see anything else going on in the shot, then fine. Oh, yikes. Oh, uh, so this was on a hundred and twenty five million dollar budget. Okay. Uh, the U.S. and Canada gross was fifty eight point eight seven million. Oh, no. That's uh, very bad. And the worldwide gross was $198 million. So this probably didn't make any money due to marketing. Yeah, massive, massive flop. Big, big boy flop. It's not up there with John Carter, though. Like, John Carter is one of those flops that's like, oh, my God, like, this this made like, nobody money. Yeah, anywhere. like, like, how did this even happen? Interestingly enough, John Carter also came out in 2012. John Carter budget, uh, $300 million box office gross of 284. So actually not on, not on that level, but like John Carter, John Carter's like a, that is such an abysmal flop. But yeah. That, that's, that is weird that both of those movies came out in 2012 and pretty hard, like flop pretty hard. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So what, what did you think? What would you rate this movie overall? Well, now that I bring up John Carter, I want, I want to say one thing. I wonder if they chose not to do Mars because they knew John Carter was coming out and that was taking place on Mars and didn't want to draw too many comparisons to it. So they pretend it's a know. weird like maybe maybe they just like wanted to go for the heavy handed like environmentalism thing. That's probable. Uh, as for what I think about it, um, look, it's like a two and a half three like it's not terrible but you know compared to total recall the original of 1990 uh doesn't touch that because that movie is enjoyable campy stupid i don't know like this is generic the 1990 version is a timeless classic i would say and like this is just kind of i i would give this like a two just because of how forgettable it is but that's fair i don't know this was kind of the time when like all the shit that we grew up with was getting remade. It's like there was the RoboCop remake right around this time. Oh, yeah, that's right. And not, uh, I don't know. Like, actually, another the, Verhoeven. Yeah. Actually, they just started remaking everything Verhoeven. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't know. I thought, like, the remake of RoboCop had some interesting parts to it, but I don't know. Yeah. Did you ever see? I think I've talked to you about this before, but did you ever see there was like a complete like fan remake of the original RoboCop where it was just like a bunch of indie filmmakers and each 
each group did a scene and then they like stitched them all together to make to remake the movie. So it was like different actors playing the role in each part and like different levels of quality and stuff. But uh, the reason I bring it up is because like the the fucking scene where like the woman's being attacked and Robocop shows up and shoots the guy in the dick. Uh, that scene in like the fan remake is fucking hilarious because like 30 other criminals show up and try to get Robocop and he's just like blasting dicks for like a solid <laughs> five minutes. That's fantastic. Uh, but I have not seen that mainly because like I wasn't like I wasn't really caring about anything at that time. Like, you know, it was just what it was. Like, I, I hadn't even seen the original Robocop, which I think is fine. Uh, it's. It's probably a bit too campy uh, and whatever, whenever Verhoeven moved on to like his later stuff, he turned down the camp a little bit to where it was like acceptable and I could be like, ah, yes, I enjoy watching this. All right. I've now posted it to our discord server for the enjoyment of patrons well anybody really anybody can join the discord server link is in the show notes uh so with that uh we're done it's time to talk about what we're doing next week and next week on the show uh we'll be watching the new series vikings valhalla which is currently uh number two in the u.s uh on netflix behind medea's homecoming Yeah, uh, and on the back half of that, we'll be doing a patron request review for Do the Right Thing. Now, here's the thing. Uh, Do the Right Thing is not on Netflix. Uh, it hasn't been on Netflix in quite a while. Julio requested this last year, and I missed it. So we're uh, watching it for Julio because I fucked up. Oh, boy. This is my fault. Uh, this is a Spike Lee movie, like his yeah. first movie. So never seen it. Can't wait to watch it. Uh, I'm sure I'll continually uh fuck it up with uh that thing you do because somehow that movie and you know the tom hanks movie and the the spike lee movie i get confused for some reason all right i look forward to it all right and uh yeah join our discord server so you can watch the the robocop scene which is really funny um i don't know check our check out our website check out our patreon uh, check out our merch store. All we, of these things. We love you. Thank you to Space Weather for the use of our theme song, Bitter. Uh, and until next week, this is Caleb saying we'll see you next Tuesday. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.